And Father, we give you glory for it in Jesus' holy name. And everybody says, Amen. 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 In verse number 17, he, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. The Bible says, this is a, a, a verse that, that you ought to know and ought to have on your refrigerator door. Verse number 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, in this passage, we see that if any man be in Christ, he's new. Outside of Christ, there's no newness there. Outside of Christ, all you can do is, is put a new paint job on the outside, amen? Put new lipstick on the pig. <laughs> but in Christ, there is a newness that is, uh, that is available to the whosoever. The whosoever would be me and you. The whosoever uh, uh, that we see in John three sixteen. whosoever. Those that call on the name of the Lord. Those that reach out for the Lord, there's a freeing and a liberty that is available to them in Christ. Now, outside of Christ, on our own, we recognize we don't have the ability to help ourselves. We recognize that we don't have the ability to make it. We don't have the strength. We don't have the patience. Amen? And we certainly don't have everlasting life outside of ourselves. But in Christ, there's not only the gift of eternal life, but there's the gift of a new life in Christ. Amen? So Jesus gives us eternal life, but along the way, he also gives us new life. One of the things that he said in John chapter 10, verse 10, was we talked last week about the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it, what? More abundantly. He came to give new life. And so one of the things that we need to realize is that this new life is available for the whosoever. Amen? But not everybody walks in the newness of life. Some of us are walking in the oldness of life. Some of us are holding on to the things of the past that God has tried to set us free from. You see, there's a liberty that's available to us. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's liberty where the Spirit of the Lord is, but some people don't live in this liberty. Some people are, are holding on to the things of the past. See, one of the things that I wanted to minister on this morning is something called a soul tie. A soul tie is something that holds you back, that binds you. There's a binding that can happen upon a person, this, a soul tie. You know, we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. Amen? There's three parts to you, in case you don't know. Your, your spirit, soul, and body. Well, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul. Now, your, your soul is important. Your soul is important because it's who you really are on the inside who you really are. You see, your spirit, if you're born again, your spirit is saved. Your spirit is saved, 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 but your soul can sometimes mess you up. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And one of the things that happens in our lives is that we can hold on to things from our past, and that's called a soul tie. A soul tie is something that will keep you bound up. The, the new life that's available to us in Jesus, though, is available regardless of how vile or sordid your past may be. See, this new life in Christ, it has no limits. It doesn't matter if you're Jeffrey Dahmer or Timothy McVeigh or somewhere in between. It doesn't matter how if all you did was steal bubble gum or if you murdered. It doesn't matter how vile or sordid your past was. God has come to give you new life. And this new life is available, is available for each and every one of us. Now, some of us, some of us can't comprehend it because we don't see how bad our past was. But others of us know how bad our past was. And we can't grasp 
that God has given us an opportunity for a new life. Well, this message this morning, it's going to be dealing with soul ties. And, and, and one of the things that, that a, a, a soul tie will do is it will keep you back from becoming the person God wants you to be. It'll keep you back from becoming the person that God wants you to be. There's so many times that God has, has tried to use folks, but people have been tied up to their past. And, and so this morning, I want you to know that God wants you to unhitch from your past and to hitch up to him. Amen? It, it, God wants us to unhitch from our past. Let me show you something in Romans chapter number six. Romans chapter number six is one of the... Um, one of the most foundational chapters in the Bible. Romans chapter number six is where we find the purpose of baptism. And here in Romans six, verse four, I wanna show you an important concept that you need to grab hold of. Romans six and verse number four. Well, let's look at verse number three. It says, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. You see, those of us that have been baptized, when you went down into the water, it represented the old man being buried with Christ. Jesus was buried for three days. And when we're baptized and we go down into that water, it represents that you're laying down your old man in the ground buried, identifying with the death of Christ. You're saying, I don't live anymore. I'm tired of living as I am. I want a chance at new life. You can't have new and old at the same time. You can't put old wine in new wineskins. You've got to go from death to life, and you've got to lay the old man down. And the way you do that is by believing on Jesus. And baptism represents that when you go down into the water, you're identifying with the old nature, dying, laying it down. And here's the thing. You don't stay in the water. Amen. You don't stay. If you stay in the water, you're going to go home too early. Come on now. You got to come up out of the water. And, and so you lay down in the water. That's the old man, the old nature being laid down. And then you are raised by the Spirit of God to new life. That is the, the process and the identification of baptism. This is the crucified life. This is like Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He said, I don't live, but I live. What is he talking about? He's saying who he used to be no longer exists. You can knock on that door, but honey, nobody's home. That old man is gone. He's been raised to new life in Christ. This is a crucified life, and that's what Paul's getting at. And here in this passage, he's talking about it, illustrating it. But I want you to see this picture. I want you to see this picture. You can't have old and new mixed together. You don't get baptized halfway down and leave your head out of the water. You get completely dunked under, immersed in the water. Amen? Immersed in the water, totally identifying with his death. So what you're doing is you're saying, I'm not holding on to anything of this life. I'm letting it all go that I may have Christ. You want to have freedom. You want to have liberty. You want to have abundant life. You want to have new life. You've got to let the old go. You've got to release the old nature, the old life, and grab hold of all that God wants to do in you today. This is why so many of us, this is why so many of us, God can't use, because God can't use somebody that's got old wine and new wine mixed together. God can't use somebody that's got their head up out of the water. God wants somebody who is totally abandoned to this life, totally abandoned to the old nature, totally abandoned from their old self and released to God. Not giving God any dictates, not saying, God, I'll go down in the water if you make me come up and give me the third in command or second in command or first saying, God, I don't care. 
I'm just releasing. I, I, I don't care whatever you want me to be. When I come up out of that water, that's what I'll be. Amen? I'm not going to dictate to you how it's supposed to go. I'm releasing all control. I'm releasing every claim that I have on this life, and I'm letting it all go. This is called a crucified life, and I know that it's not preached that much no more. I know that it's not preached that much no more, but it agrees with your spirit. It agrees with your spirit because you know it's the truth. Amen? It, that is how we enter into the newness of life. That is how we get into the place that God wants us to be. But you can't hold on to the old and the new. Everybody wants new life, but nobody wants to let go of the old. But I don't know about you, I was ready. Whenever I came to the end of myself and God gave me an opportunity to get saved, I was ready to let go of who I was. I was so tired of running my life into the ditch, so tired of, of being broke, busted, and depressed. I was so tired of the old man and the old life. I was so thankful for the new, amen? amen. And see, God wants to give each and every one of us this new and abundant life, amen? But if we have soul ties to our past, we've got to cut the cord. We've got to cut the cord. And what I mean by that is identifying with your past. You're not who you used to be if you're in Christ. If you used to be bound by pornography in Christ, I want you to know you don't have to be that man or that woman no more. If you, if you murdered somebody in your past, if you're in Christ, I want you to know you're not a murderer in God's eyes no more. If you've passed from death to life, God sees you as a new creation, as a new creature in Christ Jesus. I showed you, he said, old things are passed away. That means your past is passed away. God said, as far as the east is from the west, he remembers it no more. Amen? Not because he can't, but because he don't want to. When he sees you, he sees a new creature when he sees you he sees a new life in Christ and so one of the things that we've got to get a hold of is if God sees us that way we need to begin seeing ourselves that way we need to begin realizing that God has given us the opportunity to walk in newness of life you are not who you used to be if you're in Jesus amen if you're in Jesus you're a new creature Come on now, these soul ties have got to get cut loose. These soul ties have got to get cut loose. They're connections to your past. Connections to your past. They've got to get cut loose. You've got to cut the cord. Sometimes, you know, we need to remember that God freed us from these things. We don't need to go back to what God freed us from. Amen? We don't need to go back to what, what God freed us from. You know what we need, though? I'll tell you what we need. We need courage. We need courage to walk in the newness of life because you see, if you, if you don't have that courage, you're gonna rest on who you used to be. You're gonna identify with your past. Well, this is just who I am. This is just how I was made. No, not in Jesus. In Jesus, old things are passed away. Don't tell me that's just the way you was made because you're a new creature in Jesus' name. Amen? You don't have to be who you were. You don't have to be who you used to be. You can walk in the newness of life today. It's just, this is just something that's always tripped me up. Well, it don't have to because it don't have power over you in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all of our sins. It releases every power that the enemy has over you. My wife said earlier, greater is he that's in you than he that's of this world. Amen? Come on. Sometimes you need to claim it. You need to say, you know what? That's who I used to be. That's not who I am right now. Amen? We've got to cut those soul ties. Look at verse number four. It says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. You see what baptism represents? You didn't die physically when you went in the water, but you identified with his death. He died, he really died. And when you're baptized, you're identifying, you're saying, Lord, I died, I really died. When I received you, I came to the end of myself. That's what baptism is. You're picturing, I, Lord, I am dead. I'm not the same person anymore. I am releasing all that I used to be, all that I was born as. And Lord, I lay it down at your feet. 
buried with him by baptism into death, the like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Did Jesus raise up out of that tomb? Amen. Just like Jesus came out of that tomb, God will breathe new life in you. God will give you the ability to walk on your high places. As it says in Habakkuk chapter three, God will give you the ability to walk on your high places as hinds feet. That's like deer. You know how deer walk on those high places? Real fast. They don't stay anywhere too long. Amen. God will give you the ability to overcome those things that once overcame you. That's what he's saying. And now look, look at this last part. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So just as God raised Jesus from the dead, we should walk in newness of life. You see, God's calling you to walk as a new creature. God's calling you to walk as a new person, not as the old person. God's not telling you to have, you know, your left foot in new life and your right foot in the old life. God's not telling you to teeter-totter on who you used to be and who you are. God said you came up out of that water that represented that I breathed new life in you, that represented that I've given you a new name, a new future, that I've given you eternal life. I have severed your past from who you are. You are no longer bound by your past. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And God said that he breathed new life in you and now he wants you to walk in the newness of life. See that? Not bound to who you used to be. No strings attached. No strings attached. Not who you used to be. Who did you used to be before you were born again? Who did you used to be? That's not who you are today. You're a new creature, amen? One of the things that, that happens in our lives is, is, is we get presented with these opportunities, these opportunities to walk in the newness of life. I want to show you a couple of examples of individuals that were presented with an opportunity to walk in a new life, to release from the old. Let me start with Ruth chapter number one. Ruth chapter number one. Ruth, if you remember, was a Moabite. Moabite, if you know much about the Bible, the Moabite was about as low as you could go. It's about as low as you could go. They had a, a sordid past. And I know nobody here can identify with that. But, but Ruth, as a Moabite, had a history a mile long. The Moabites had a bad reputation. But I want you to know that God can sever that reputation. God can give you a new reputation. God can give you a new reputation. When people talk about you, they may talk about who you used to be, but they ain't gonna talk about who you are now in Jesus because you'll be a new creature, amen? They might can bring up stuff from the past, but they sure can't bring it up now. Come on, not if you're walking in newness of life. Now, Ruth, as a Moabite, she had a, 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 a past, Moabite, they had a, a, a sordid past, how many of you know what, what it's like to have a deep, dark family secret? Mm-hmm. Stuff you never tell nobody. That's the kind of stuff the Moabites were. Stuff they didn't want everybody to know about. Just issues. They kept it in. They didn't tell nobody. Sure wouldn't tell a preacher. They didn't tell nobody about some of the things that's gone on in my home. This happened to me or happened to my mom or happened to my sister or my father. These are the kind of things I'm going to die with not telling nobody. That's a sordid past. Moabites, Moabites had a sordid past. This is, this is how Ruth grew up. This is what she knew. This is who she was. She was a Moabitess. Now watch this. Watch in, 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 in verse number, um, in verse number 14. Now one of the things about Ruth is she married, she married a guy uh, whose mother was an Israelite. And, and her husband died. Her husband died and, and her father-in-law died. It says in verse 14, they lifted up their voice, wept again, and Orpah uh, kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth claimed her. Um, her mother-in-law gave them an option to go back or stay with her. No, she didn't give them an option. She said, y'all go back. Go back home. 
Y'all don't belong here no more. Go back to your past. What you've been living in has just been a fantasy. It's time for you to go back to where you really belong, is what she was saying. It's time for you to go back where you really belong. But it says Ruth clave to her. Ruth said, I don't want to go back. Some of us, we need, to, we need to be like Ruth and say, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going back no more. I'm thankful for new life in Christ. I'm not about to go back no more. I'm not, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm not going back to where I came from. I know what that life is like. I know what it's like to be on that side of the tracks. And I don't know where I'm going, but I'm not going backwards, I can tell you that. Amen? As what Ruth said, Ruth said, I'm cleaving to you. It says she claved to her mother-in-law. Look what it says in verse 15. Mother-in-law said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. That's key. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. She's saying, Look, don't you realize this is where you belong, back yonder. You need to go back there. That's where you belong. And Ruth said, no. No. Verse 16, Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. What is Ruth saying? Ruth is saying, you know what? I'm going where you're going and nothing's going to separate us but death. Nothing's going to separate us from death and I'm not worshiping those gods. Your God's going to be my God. What is she doing? She is stepping out with courage and walking in newness of life not desiring to go back to where she came from. You see, she, had, she was given release. She could go back. You know, sometimes you need to know that, that if you want to go back into the bar, you want to go back to your old life, go for it. But God's calling you to walk in newness of life. And you need to get that courage like, like Ruth had and say, you know what? I'm not going back. I don't, care if a, I don't care if my past was presented to me in a Christmas bow on a, on a big old present. Looked all pretty. I'm not opening that thing. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And that's what Ruth said. Ruth said, you know what? You're giving me the opportunity to go backwards, but I'm not. I'm going forwards. Your God is going to be my God from this point forward. I'm going where you go, and only death is separating us. Amen? Well, you see, this is a picture of new life. This is a picture to spiritualize it. This is how we are to be with the Holy Spirit and saying, where you step, I'll step. Where you go, I'll go. Nothing's going to come between me and you. Nothing's going to separate us but death. When you, when, when you start to get grieved, I will release it. When you tell me not to go that way, I won't go that way. When you say don't, I won't. When you say go, I'll go. When you say speak, I'll speak. And when you tell me to be quiet, I'll be quiet. You see, this is a picture of, of, of a new life of a person who says, you know what? I am binding myself to the dictate and the guidance of the Holy Spirit he is the third person of the Godhead. He is our counselor. He is our God. He is the one who intercedes for us and with us and through us. And he knows what you need. He knows where you need to go and he knows when you need to leave. He knows when you need to speak and he knows when you need to be quiet. Amen. He knows what, how many of you know he knows what you need more than you do? And that's what Ruth was identifying with in, in, in her mother-in-law. Ruth was identifying with that, and she was saying, you know what? I don't want to go back to me being in charge. I don't want to go back to me being the one who goes, I don't want to go back to my old life. I don't want to go back in that place. I'm going where you go, and I'm doing what you say do. Where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Don't you see the beauty of that? This is abandoning, abandoning all of her old life, abandoning her old friends, 
abandoning her old places of going, abandoning who she used to be, abandoning everything else and releasing herself to be bound, bound to her mother-in-law. Amen? What a beautiful picture of a person who walks in the newness of life. You see, this opportunity was presented to Ruth, and, and Ruth jumped on it. Amen? Amen? How many of you know that God used Ruth? Through, through Ruth, you know, through Ruth came uh, David. It was just amazing how God used her. A couple of other places. Let me show you something. Acts chapter number 19. Acts chapter number 19. This is a, 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 an interesting passage here in Acts number 19. Is what happens. How many of y'all, there, there's a, a passage in the Bible here. It talks about the, the sons of Sceva. And the sons of Sceva were an interesting bunch. They, they tried to do some spiritual warfare, but they didn't really know God. And they got themselves in a pickle. They got whooped because they didn't know God. They didn't know God. You see, God won't allow you to mix old and new wine. You can't have one foot in who you used to be and one foot in who you ought to be. God knows who you are. God sees through you. You see, we all put on masks, right? But we shouldn't. You see, some of us, when we don't have our lives where they ought to be, we put on that mask of where we think it should be. But God sees past that. Amen? Amen? So you might be able to fool other people. You might be able to fool, you know, your Sunday school teacher, your uh, small group leader, pastor, friends, family, whoever, spouse. You might be able to fool them, but you're not fooling God. Amen? Amen? Not fooling God. God sees right through us. This is, you know, E.M. Bounds, he said a, a, a man is no better than his prayer life. No better and no worse. God sees right through us. We are who we are. And see, the, the sons of Sceva, they, they didn't realize that. They thought they could just put on this front, put on this front. But sooner or later, the front will find you out. Amen. Sooner or later, you're going to have a put up or shut up moment. And they got it. They got whooped. They got whooped. They ran out. Well, when, after they got whooped, the, the, the whole town knew about it. Amen? The whole town knew about it. Now, something interesting happened. Look at Acts chapter number 19. Look at verse number 18. Well, let's look at verse number 17. It says, This was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Now, let me, let me just set this up for you. What happened was the, the, the seven sons of Sceva got exposed by the power of the enemy. And fear came on them. And many people ran to God. And when they ran to God... It says that they confessed and showed their deeds. Now, this is important because this shows you that they released themselves from who they used to be. They confessed and they showed their deeds. They came with their hands bringing who they really were to God, not holding anything back. One of the interesting things about Hebrew worship is a lot of times you'll see people worship with their palms up like this. This is a Hebrew tradition. Right? You see, what it pictures, what it represents is that you're not holding anything back. You see, if you have your hand like this, you don't know what's in it. You have your hand behind your back, you don't know what's in the hand. But when somebody worships God with their palm up, number one, it shows weakness. It shows I'm, I'm being weak to you, but also I'm not hiding anything. This is me, God. Here I am. This is me. And see, whenever they came and they confessed and they showed their deeds to God, they were coming to God and exposing who they were to God. They say, God, here I am. Here I am. And that shows you that they were ready to let the old life go. Identifying with Jesus in the baptism of death, right? And being raised to a new creature. They were ready to let go of the old and walk in the new. They weren't going to hold nothing back. Amen? 
they didn't keep some, some beer in the fridge. They didn't keep some dirty magazines under the bed. They didn't keep that friend they shouldn't have across town. They cut ties with the past. They released it. They confessed and they showed their deeds and they were ready to walk in newness of life. Amen? And you're not going to walk in newness of life until you cut the old off, till you get ready to show God, till you're ready to confess and show your deeds to God. You won't. You won't have the newness of life. You won't walk in the power that you could walk in. You won't understand the power that's available to you through the cross till you're ready to let go of the past, confess, and show their deeds. Look at this next verse. It's very interesting. They confessed, they showed their deeds. Verse 19, many of them also which use curious arts, that's witchcraft, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them, found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now, well, listen. When somebody does the curious arts or witchcraft, it's always done in the dark. It's always done in secret where nobody knows. But when God moved on these people's hearts, they didn't care who knew what. They just wanted the cleansing. They wanted to be set free. They wanted new life in Christ, and they didn't care who knew what about their past. They were just ready to experience new life in Christ. Amen? And they came and they brought all their books that were done in the dark, all those witchcraft things, all that kind of mess, curious arts, and they burned it all in front of everybody. What are they saying? They're saying, I'm not going back to who I used to be. Amen. That, now, if that's one way to get rid of your past is to burn that stuff. Amen. That's one way to get rid of your past is to burn that stuff. Say, you know what? If you can't get past some of the, if you got some books on the bookshelf you shouldn't have, burn them. Burn, don't give them to somebody else. Burn them. <laughs> Amen. And so what they did is they were cutting off their past so that they could not go back to it. Amen. That is showing God, Lord, I'm real. I'm not going back to it. But also, I have no desire to hide anything from anybody. You see, God has a way. Whenever God cleanses us and sets us free and gives us new life, God will give you a testimony. God will give you a testimony. But some of us, some of us have soul ties and we're not willing to let them go, so our testimony is not as it ought to be. Amen. Amen. You know that you should have a new testimony every year? Amen. Not that you get saved every year, but that you should have a new testimony. You should have something new all the time. This is how, you know, the church in America, John Wesley was one of the main uh, founders of, of, of a lot of the church in America, and he would go, one of the things that he did in all of his congregations is before he preached, he made everybody get up and share what God did for them that week. Amen. Amen. Put you on the spot real quick. He said, I want to hear your testimony this week, who you witnessed to, what you've been studying in the Word, what's been going on in your prayer life, and everybody had to get up in front of everybody and share. Amen. And I think that's a pretty neat deal. I think that's pretty good. I'm not going to make you do that right now, but I'm just saying it's pretty, it's pretty neat. But everybody should have a testimony. But if we're not willing to let go of our past, we're not going to have the fullness that God has available to us. Some of us, we're in limbo spiritually because we're not willing to let go of our past. We're not willing to cut the cord. We're not willing to burn the books. We're not willing to stop identifying with who we used to be so that God can use us now as new creatures. Amen? God has new life for you. God has new life for you. You say, well, you know what? I just, I, I can't help myself. I can't help myself. Well, that's true, but God can help you. God can help you if you'll come to him and ask for help. You say, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm weak, and, and I just, I got to do this. I, got, I know it's not right, but I got to do it. No, you don't. You know who's telling you you got to do it? Satan is. Amen. You see, the Bible says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 
And the, the preceding verse is talking about contentment. That means that God will give you the ability to bear up under anything in all situations, in all circumstances. God will give you the strength to live, the strength to stand, the strength to be who God made you to be, that his light would shine through you. Amen? That his light would shine through you. You see, you can't be somebody else, but you can be who God made you to be. You can be who God made you to be. Now, one of the, one of the uh, couple of bad examples of this, couple of bad examples of this, probably the most, the, the biggest example of somebody failing to walk in the new opportunity God had for them would be Lot's wife. How many of y'all remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, and God wanted to get all the righteous out, which is a picture of the rapture, which is a totally different sermon. Picture of the rapture, and God, God brought his people out before he brought destruction down. And one of the things he said was, when you leave, don't turn back. Don't turn back. Go Go in the newness that I'm giving. I'm giving you an opportunity to get out of Sodom. You're not going to be a Sodomite no more. Come on now. Interpret that a couple of different ways. You don't have to be a Sodomite anymore. I'm pulling you out of where you've been and I'm giving you new life. Just don't go back. And Lot's wife turned around and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Immediately. What that represents is if, if, if you won't walk in the newness of life, you might just get stuck right where you are and nothing will change till you're ready to cut loose of soul ties. You see, she had a connection to Sodom. There was something in Sodom that just drew her back. She had to look back. There was just something that drew her. That's what a soul tie is. It's something that you just got to go back for or run back to when push comes to shove. When you've had a bad day, do you run to God or do you run to a bottle? When you've had a bad day, right? Do you run to God or do you got to find solace in the arms of another person? Because I want you to know your comforter is God. Amen. Your comforter is God. And so, so Lot's wife, right? This big great example of somebody who's not willing to walk in the newness of life. She's, she's been set free. She got pulled out of Sodom and God said, go. And she... How many of y'all know what that's like? God says go, and you're just like, what, do I got to go? Do you, uh, you keep that foot, do I have to go? And before long, you're doing the splits because God's pushing you into new life, but part of you wants to stay in that old. Part of you wants to stay back there where it was filth, filth, vile. There's another, another example I'll give you. You don't have to turn there. We'll, we'll get there later in Joshua. In Joshua. Well, let me, let me just show you. Go to Joshua. Um, go, to, go to Joshua chapter number seven. Let me show you this one. Joshua chapter number seven. Now, Joshua is probably most famous because he got to bring the nation of Israel into the promised land. Important lesson here. Two important lessons. Number one, the minute they got into the promised land, a battle presented itself, Jericho. Sometimes God will take you out of your past, bring you into promised land, but what you don't realize is there may be a battle there. But the important lesson is the battle belonged to the Lord. Amen. The battle belonged to the Lord because all they had to do is worship. All they had to do is worship and God brought the walls of Jericho down. 
So there's an important lesson that when God brings you into the promised land, I want you to know this. There will be battles in the promised land or in the new life, but the battle belongs to the Lord. See, back, back there when you was in Egypt, you had to fight your own way out. And if truth be told, you couldn't fight your way out of a wet paper bag. You made things worse. You, you thought you was trying to get somebody's attention by throwing plates, and all you did was break plates and have to buy new ones. Make yourself look not smart. And so when God brought them into the promised land, they had a battle presented in uh, Jericho. The walls come down. Great. God's going to give us victory on anything we do. Second battle, a uh, small town, easy pickings. Just send a couple thousand people down there. It's going to be an easy one. We all going to relax. This is going to be an easy fight. They weren't doing it. Number one, they didn't ask God because God would have said, hold up, we got some issues. Look at verse number one. Well, hang on. I'm in the wrong book now. Joshua 7, verse one. It says, the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zebedee, the son of Zariah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. What happened? In the winning of Jericho, Achan took an accursed item, and he put it in his tent. And God had forbidden it. God said, in the promised land, you shall have no idols. You shall serve no other God. And you shall not do as the people of the land do. They, but Achan, was not willing to walk in the newness of life. He had to go back to that idol worship. He had to go back to it. And because he went back to it, Israel lost that easy battle. Many people died because of his spiritual irresponsibility. Spiritual neglect. Not willing to walk in this new life that God had given them. God, simple. Don't have any other gods. Don't have any idols. But Achan had to go back to that stuff. He saw it sitting on a wall, right? It just shined. And he had to get it. He had to get the accursed thing. You know what the accursed things are in your life? You know those things that God has set you free from? You know those things that God has given you freedom and liberty over, that God's forgiven in your life? And sometimes you see them just shiny up on a wall. Nobody will see it. Aiken, nobody saw Achan do it except God. Nobody saw Achan. You know you can do things in the privacy of your home and nobody else knows about it? But God does. You go to church, put on a front, act all spiritual. What you do in the privacy of your home is your business. Uh, it's actually God's business. It's actually God's business. And God knew what Achan had done. And people died. And people died. Well, more the, the, the end of the story, Joshua finds out about it. They go down to Achan. Achan had hidden the accursed thing in his tent. All of Israel was defeated because Achan had sin. He brought sin in the camp. He brought sin in the camp, but I want you to see it's because he was not willing to walk in this new promised land life. This new promised land life life I'll give you a couple of other a couple of other things if you, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter number 6 you see 
I shared a, a, another illustration just a little bit ago. How many of y'all remember Zacchaeus? Amen. We talked about Zacchaeus just a little while ago. Zacchaeus, he wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't see because of his circumstances. So he rose above the circumstances, climbed up in the tree. And when Jesus saw him, Jesus said, hey, come on down and let's go to your house. Now, Zacchaeus had a reputation around town. They knew he was a crook. They knew he was a sinner. And when Jesus said, let's go to your house, everybody said, he's going to his house? Doesn't he know who that is? Doesn't he know what Zacchaeus does? But you see, Jesus isn't concerned about what your reputation used to be. He's about what you are now. And when Jesus came to Zacchaeus, this is an important, important thing to understand. Jesus did not tell Zacchaeus, go sell all that you have, and then I'll come to your house. Jesus just said, let's go eat. Come on, let's go. Right? You see, God doesn't require you to change before he'll come to you. God wants you to come just as you are, and then we'll work on some stuff. That's God's process. So Jesus comes down to Zacchaeus' house, and when Jesus is there, Zacchaeus said, all right, Lord, anything that I've taken the wrong way, I'm going to restore fourfold. Just, it just blurted out of him. Jesus didn't demand it. You see, the goodness of God leads to repentance. He received God's love, and it drew repentance out of his heart. Amen? And how many of you know that's what we're talking about? Zacchaeus went from being a crook to being a saint. He received newness of life, and he walked in it because he began to restore people, right? He didn't keep what didn't belong to him anymore. He was ready to part with it because it wasn't his. And he was not going to identify as a crook anymore. Amen? You see, if, if we're going to separate from soul ties, we've got to make a choice. We're either going to stay hitched to who you used to be, a crook, a sodomite, a Moabite, whatever it might be, you, you, you got to unhitch from who you used to be and hitch yourself to God. Not, giving, not telling God demands, not saying, all right, God, I, I'll identify with the death of Christ, but when you raise me up, I want this and I want that. No, 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 no. You release all demands. No demands. Just as I am without one plea. No, please, God. Here I am. Here I am. And see, hitching ourselves to God is a little bit different. One of the things that we've got to do, just real quickly in, in uh, verse number 20, is stay connected to the Word of God. Now, Solomon, Solomon had a past. And actually, he didn't sever his past from himself. He started out really wise, but he got really dumb. If you have over a thousand wives, come on now. Wasn't smart. Wasn't smart. Not trying to be anything. It's just, that's not God's plan. And he took the sin of his father and blew it up. But God had given them the opportunity to be set free. Now, these words of wisdom, he didn't himself utilize. Had he utilized them, the kingdom wouldn't have been taken from him after he died. See, after Solomon, many, many people don't know Bible history. But after Solomon is when the ten northern and the two southern tribes were split up. From Solomon's sin... Israel was torn apart forever. Solomon's sin led to the tearing of Israel and is still torn today. 
the grave sin. Listen to the words, though. This is wisdom that he didn't even walk in. And see, God gives us all an opportunity to walk in this wisdom, but he doesn't force you. You want to go back to your old life? You want to go back to the bar? You want to go back to somebody's house you shouldn't be in? You want to go back here, go back there? God may let you, but it will cost you. It will cost you. Cost you a lot. Anointing, influence, testimony, victory, cost you a lot. Now look at these words in, in verse number 20, Proverbs 6, verse 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment. Forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually on thine heart. Tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. Proverbs 6, 20 through 23. You see this? He's saying, he's saying, bind the word of God to your heart and to your mind. When you go, it'll be there. When you stop, it'll be there. When you sleep, it'll be there. And when you wake up, it'll be there. The word of God should go before us. You know that, that, that verse, it says that, that the word of God is a what? It's a lamp for our feet and a light unto our path. In other words, God's word should go before us, tell us what should and should not go, amen? God's word tells us what is right and what is wrong. You don't have the, God never gave man the right to set a standard. God sets the standard. And God calls us to the standard. You might say, well, you know what? I, I just don't think it's right that, you know, uh, um, liars don't have their part in the lake of fire. You know, that's just not right. Well, we don't get to make the rules. God sets the standard. Amen? God sets the standard. All right, I'm going to take you to one last passage. One last passage. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. First Corinthians chapter number six. I'm going to read verses nine, ten, and eleven. Some people that hear this be like, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. People don't preach on that no more. 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 6, verses 9, 10, and 11. Now, let, let, let me say this before we get in this. No, let's just get into it. Verse number 9, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Hey, listen to the Lord. Do you know who the deceiver is? You know who's, who's telling you? hey, you don't, you don't have to be all holier than everybody. You don't have to be holier than thou. Just keep coasting through. Yeah, keep coasting through, end up like Lot's wife. Got to cut the soul ties. Got to cut the soul ties and move forward in Jesus' name. Move forward. Go with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth, the Bible said. Into all truth. You can't, the, the truth and the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. Amen. So don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, now I'm, I'm not going to give a detailed thing on this. I've done this before, but, but you, you pretty much know it. I mean, the, you pretty much know it. Fornicator, that is a, a sexual relationship that's outside of marriage. God only ordains those kinds of activities inside the bounds of marriage. Godly marriage. Let me rephrase that since we live in America. A man and a woman. Amen. Amen. 
neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, that's the breaking of a marriage vow, nor effeminate. Now, a lot of times people say effeminate, that's, that's homosexuality. That's not, the next one is. Effeminate is a man that has no courage, a man that has no boldness. Effeminate means you shrink back from the call to duty. God says, everybody get your toes on the line, and you go, Where's the bathroom? <laughs> what does that mean? The effeminate is a shrinking back from what God's called you to do. God's called you to have a voice. God's called you to lift up your voice like a trumpet. God's called you to be a light in a dark world, not be in hiding, not to be not 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 going backwards, but standing, putting your toe on the line, being counted for the cause of Christ, being used for his kingdom's sake. Not effeminate, which, and, and, and that goes into a lot of the church culture. Because a lot of church culture today, men have to get in tune with the feminine feet. No, they don't. Men are men and women are women. Women are feminine. Men are supposed to be masculine. Not, but the effeminate is a, is a shrinking back from a call to duty, okay? God's, when God says something's wrong and you know it, well, the, and, and here's an interesting example, and everybody comes down on the different sides on this. Interesting example. There was a, a, a young lady that's a, a, one of the new worship singers. She's becoming very popular with the world. And, and, and in her popularity with the world, they asked her, well, what about homosexuality? And this woman's been a worship leader for years and years and years, big churches. She said, well, I don't know. You read the Bible and you figure it out. I don't know. That was an effeminate response because she knew. She knew the answer. She knew what the Bible says, but she shrank back. She didn't want to get counted with that number, right? This is a shrinking back from duty, shrinking back from responsibility. You know that Jesus said that if you're ashamed of him in front of men, He'll be ashamed of you in heaven. Right? You deny him before men, he'll deny you before the Father. There's a cost. You see, part of, part of this new life is releasing who you think you are, being a new person. Now, effeminate, enough on that. Let's keep going nor abusers of themselves with mankind. There's your sodomites. There's your homosexuality. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Nor thieves, we know what that is, but in God's eyes, is it still theft if it's a pencil? How many times do you got to steal something to be a thief? Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards. How many drinks you got to have to be a drunk? Does God make you blow a blood alcohol thing? What is his limit? Is it point, point zero, point oh one, point oh eight? I don't know. Ask him. <laughs> he says no drunkard. That's what he says. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. None of these folks shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we got one more verse. Watch this. And such were some of you. Not are, were. You see, whenever God gives a person an opportunity for salvation, he calls them to a new life. He calls them to a new life, not leaving you where you used to be, not leaving you where you used to be, but a new life. Whenever the woman that was caught in adultery was cast down at the feet of Jesus and they said to stone her, remember that? Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, they're all gone. And he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. In other words, he he let her loose from being stoned for the sin of adultery, but he told her to stop being an adulterer. You've got new life, now walk in it. Amen? Amen. 
Don't go back to where you used to be. Walk in the newness of life. Cut the soul tie. You're not an adulterer no more. Go sin no more. You're not a drug addict no more. You're not a drunkard no more. You're not addicted to pornography no more. You're not this no more. You're not that anymore. Don't identify with those things. Be set free. You might say, well, it's got me whooped. It's got me whooped. Here's an important thing I'll tell you. In Hebrews chapter number nine, it says that the blood of Jesus purges us. Amen. You know, have you ever seen a crawfish get purged? You ever pour salt on a slug? A, a, a crawfish, when it's purged, it's not who it used to be. Right? The blood of Jesus purges you. Purges you. And when you die in Christ, are crucified with Christ, and raised to new life, you're not who you used to be. And God's calling to new life. So, as we end this morning, the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Not half new. Not half new. New. Not who you used to be. Because the Bible says, old things are passed away. Old things are passed away. Are there some old things that need to be passed away in your life? Soul ties. Back who you used to be before you got saved. Things you know God don't like. Maybe you never heard about the crucified life. Maybe you never heard about what baptism actually is. Identifying with his death and being raised to new life. But I want you to know this morning that we're called, Romans 6, read verse 4 again, raised to new life, to new life, walking in the newness of life. How many of you need a fresh start this morning? How many of you need a fresh start this morning? How many of you need to be purged See, the blood of Jesus is amazing. It purges us, cleanses us from all iniquity. If we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all our iniquities. If we'll confess our sins. Remember, that's what the people did in Acts 19. They confessed and showed their deeds to God. They were ready to have new life. 